Argos Blues in on Saturday night to play the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're they're struggling a little bit. We'll get into that uh, in the next hour with Craig Berube, also Brett Hull. And now we search for Doug McLean hanging out on the beach somewhere. I mean, he literally is on the beach every time we talk to him. I don't even know what to say about that. It's like this guy's just living life. Like when people, you think about the word retired, he's just proper retired. And some. Do you have any desire to do it. that, honestly? Yeah. You do? If you had the money, you'd just go to the beach every day? Well, no, I wouldn't go to every day. I'd, I'd, I'd get 18 holes in. <laughs> and then I'd have lunch. How much? How many more years you got to hang out with schlubs like me before you get to do that? I'm hoping uh, July. <laughs> Gifford, I need a couple. I need to ride your coattails for a couple. <laughs> Set me up first before you leave. How long did Doug McLean ride my Sportsnet coattails? I don't know, but hey, was that a mock turtleneck you had on last night on TV and that beard? Was that... Like, I didn't know who looked different. You were Berkey when I saw you. <laughs> there was no mock. No, and, no, and no, no turtleneck at all. Yeah. He, he went. Um, oh, it's just a t shirt. He went a t shirt. You went uh, Miami Vice look. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, he looked He looked like he was going into a bar in, in South Beach, and Elliot looked like he was going to church. <laughs> no, it wasn't a cohesive theme. I don't know. I don't know. I felt comfortable. Anyway, I look good. I, you look better now. I mean, your hair looks better than Elliot. The beard looks good. I, you, you look pretty good, actually. I was quite impressed. Well, well he's, he's, he's young and he's not jaded like uh, Elliot and <laughs> you. <laughs> right? He hasn't. Mm. Yeah, give him time. I had a horri- <laughs> it takes a while for the so scars to terrible, build. I had a terrible thing happen to me at the beach today. You noticed when I sent you the picture, I had my AirPods in, you know? Okay. And I went for a walk, and didn't I lose one of them on the beach? God, will your life, will life ever I, stop handing you lemons? I, so then then I come back, and I, I'm looking all the way, and I'm digging up shells because I think it's the AirPods. Finally, I almost get back to my chair, and there's three young women sitting in chairs there and I looked down at my AirPods right at their feet and I thought, geez, I must have turned quick to look away from them and my AirPod fell out. So anyway, I, thought this I said, you girls are good luck. You're good luck. Anyway, you are, great. you are, um, you're in that demographic where you can buy a metal detector, right? And go around the beach. <laughs> I have one of those. We, I do it a couple times a week. Yeah. All right. You know who's who's looking good besides you on the beach are, are the Toronto Maple Leafs. Your thoughts, because I like the game, Mac, for no other reason that two good teams playing well at the same time got to play against each other. And, uh, you know, Toronto deservingly came out on top. You know, what I, I like, it jumped out at me right away, and it was Jack Campbell made two or three big saves in that first period to to give them a, a chance. They were playing well anyway. Austin Matthews, obviously, with the big goal, and this guy's such a horse right now. But Jack Campbell gave them two or three big saves, I thought, to to keep their confidence going and playing as well as they were playing. 
So I, I really liked his game last night. I mean, I know he was good throughout. The team looked good. Power play had good movement. Uh, you know, but I, I leave the game. I leave the game. I didn't think Pittsburgh. I didn't think Sid had a very big game, and he's been so damn good. It's been unbelievable. How do you ever complain about his game? But, look, it was a well-deserved win for the Leafs, and leave the game, and I'm thinking, okay, now – where does it go at playoff time? And there's still, still questions for me. Is that third line, is that third line that's been so good going to be good enough at playoff time with the way they play? The fourth line going to be good enough? You know, is the defense going to be close to good enough? And, uh, you know, I watched Calgary play a couple times this week. I watched Colorado play, and I'm thinking, ooh, those teams are looking really good. And I'll tell you why they're looking really good. Colorado's goaltending right now is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And Markstrom is unbelievable in Calgary. They got their goaltending right at the top of their games right now. So, you know, I I think the playoffs are going to be spectacular. I really do. You know, one one of the things you you mentioned there that I'm curious about myself is – Getting your thoughts on the number one D for the Toronto Maple Leafs, Morgan Riley. Um, you know, compared to the other number one D of the contending teams, you look at Tampa Bay and it's Hedman and Florida and it's Ekblad and Colorado's McCarr and Vegas is Petrangelo. Is Morgan Riley yeah. good enough as the number one D? Like, look at him, watching him score that goal last night, it sure felt like it. What are your thoughts on Riley for the Leafs heading into the postseason? I love Morgan Riley, and I always have. And I think he's just a, a just a hard-nosed, true, solid defenseman who can make plays offensively, does a good job defensively. But to me, he is a great number two. That's where I have him as a great number two. And you you name some names, and there's a there's even you go to Fox and go to a few others. He's to me, he's still that number two. Really, really good defenseman. I'm not worried about Morgan Riley. I'm worried about the drop-off from Morgan Riley to the way Hall and Muzzin mm-hmm. and these guys are playing. That's what I'm worried about. And, you know, that that's the concern. And that's going to be the deadline deal. What do they do? Can they acquire? I know they'll be able to acquire depth defensemen, but can they acquire guys that are going to be real important? They need a guy to be as good as Muzzin was a year ago or a year and a half ago. That's not easy to find right now. Just want to follow up a little bit on your Morgan Riley comments because last night's a goal that we typically don't see out of him, and yet he, he's he got the ability to skate and and. and make a play like that and you know if if we saw more goals like that would we consider him a bona fide number one guy and would we be talking him up a lot more is there room for him to go to another level and get in the mix with the very best or is he just a number two as you say that happens to be on the toronto maple leafs their number one Look, I, when I say he's a number two, you know how hard it is to find really, really good number two defensemen? They're not out there. They're really hard to find. My problem is, offensively, he's not a real presence. He's not a real number one defenseman presence on the power play. 
you mentioned McCarr, you mentioned Hedman, you can go. I mean, he just doesn't bring that presence to me as the number one guy. It's a real threat. Good on the power play, but to be a number one, you've got to be great on the power play. And I don't have him as great on the power play. That's a hell of a power play. But I don't have that point presence as what it needs to be a lot of the time to be a number one guy. But with that said, think he's unbelievable character leadership good player i i'm not criticizing him but to me there's very few bona fide number one defensemen in the nhl guys there's very few of them you know going to the other uh canadian city here the the montreal canadians out, out east they we were talking about you know, an article written today by Eric Engels on uh, what they want to do. We talked with Jeff Gordon about the direction that that franchise is headed. And one of the things he said is that he he wants to bring them back to that level of respect. And, um, you know, I guess just around the league, the way people look at the Montreal Canadiens, did you have the impression that they had somehow fallen off? There's a lot of talk about them getting back somewhere. And I know they're not winning a lot this year, but the organization always felt class, class, class to me. Well, I, I saw in a stretch there of five of three years, I think Sam Pollock had 12 first round picks and 17 second round picks. Is that what he's talking about? Getting back to that where he can pick up LaFleur, Robinson, Ganey, Carboneau, um, and all those guys with those draft picks. Um, I don't know what he's talking about getting back to that. I mean, when I was playing for the junior Canadians, I think they lost five games a year. I was in Mon- one of the years I was in Montreal. Is that what he's talking to them getting back? Cause they're a long way from there. And <laughs> I'm not sure Vinny, like I'm not sure Vinny, like Javier and, and Hughes and, and this Martin St. Louis are going to, are going to get them there right now. I mean, unless they can pick up another 11 first round picks like Sam Pollock did, they got one. Well, they got two. So they only need 10 more over a three year period. I look, it's a, they're, the long road back, and I, I I love reading these newspapers. I'm reading now about the change in culture in Edmonton, and I'm reading about the new culture in Montreal. And then it, in a few months, I'll be reading that it's a disaster. It, <laughs> so uh, like, it, I don't go with the cheerleading. You know, there, I, there has I try to be to stay away from the cheerleading. If I get there, there has to be an element. They they gotta sell something, right? I mean, what? What organization doesn't want to look modern? Guy what, comes in, goes. I'm what, just going to do it the what, same way they've what, been doing what, it. <laughs> what organization doesn't want to look like they're 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 moving and they're shaking? So then you get somebody oh, to write hey. about it until you know hey, until you can it. buy they, time they to get in. out of the basement. That's what it is. Look at this hand while this hand at, sucks right now in the basement I, of the standings. <laughs> I listened to Marty St. Louis talk about. Systems versus what? Um, there was a word he used there, and I, I kind of enjoyed it. And then I watched them play, and then I'm thinking, oh, maybe you should maybe move a little towards the systems instead of what you were talking about, you know? So it's it's a long road there. And yet, you know, if they had Price and Weber and a few guys healthy, uh, they were a pretty good team last year in the playoffs when they demolished the Maple Leafs. Um but it's been a horrendous year. And I mean, Ducharme was the best thing since sliced bread. Although we forgot he missed two and a half weeks with COVID and Luke Richardson won a couple of rounds for them. So who knows what's going on, but I love listening to the cheerleading. Like I just love it, you know, between Edmonton, 
and Speck and then Engels. I mean, like, oh, my God, it's hurt in the head. Hey. Anyway. Hey, uh, Cole Caulfield, one goal in, what, 30 games under Descharmes, and then he scores four with uh, Marty St. Louis. Is it is it that simple for one guy to just think, I got a... I got new life under a different guy behind the bench. Is that the way it worked when you were in management? Coaches, coaches can, new coaches can really give some players a real breath of fresh air, you know, because, you know, I was talking to a kid in the American hockey league last week and he's a coach. It's just, it, I'm, I'm sitting there watching this kid and I'm thinking, why are, are, is this development like punishing kids and, you know, ripping them? And I'm thinking like, what am I missing here? What am I missing here? I used to go down to Adirondack and Newell Brown would be so mad at Marty, at Martin LaPointe and Darren McCarty and was, you know, really upset and didn't want to dress them and didn't want to play them. And I'm thinking, Newell, they're our best young prospects. You know, let Gordy Krupke sit out. But we need this guy to play. They're our future, you know. So, you know, a guy like Caulfield, it's a it's a breath of fresh air for him. And, of course, Marty St. Louis was his idol when he was growing because they're both the same size. So, you know, I can see that. I can see it giving him a breath of fresh air to get him, you know, get him going again. He's a good player. He's a talented kid. It's good to see what are your thoughts on um, the addition of Vinny LeCavalier in Montreal? It seems like there's a like they don't know how to title guys these days. Like sometimes you just want a smart guy in the room or a certain personality. Was there anyone you, you wanted to come work with you, but you weren't sure exactly what role to give them? So you just say, hey, you make up a title, here's some money. They they've always wanted they've always wanted Vinny in Montreal, but but they wanted him there to play. Be an advisor. Right. I mean, you know, they've had some Montreal Canadiens had the best advisors in the history of hockey. I mean, Henri Richard, John Beliveau, now Vinny comes back. And I mean, yeah, you don't know what to call him, but you can always call him an advisor because if you call him a vice president, then you've got to pay them more. So the advisor is a cheaper way of doing <laughs> it. And plus, when you're an advisor, Vinny can live in Tampa. He doesn't have to move to Montreal because he can advise over the phone. Whereas <laughs> if you're a vice president, a vice president, you've got to be on site a little more, you know? So they're great. It's a great job. I love it. Vinny didn't want to be a Montreal. Vinny didn't want to uh, be a Montreal Canadian uh, and was traded to Montreal uh, in what, 2007, 2008? The he- deal that got nixed by Len Barry. But he says he approved the trade to the Canadians. He I- was willing to go. That's what he's saying. Anyway, I don't know if that's the case in behind the scenes and in practice. But yeah, I don't. I'm not sure. The twelve, the twelve days that Lenny was the owner in Tampa, he nixed that deal. Len Barry, the way I remember it, uh, Brian Lawton was the president and general manager, and I think Brian has told me this story, but this is the way I remember it. The deal was done, and. Brian Lawton needed two approvals, one from Orn Coolis and Len Barry. Len Barry did not give it the stamp of approval, which nixed the deal. The deal was Vinny LeCavalier to Montreal for uh, P.K. Subban, Max Pacioretty, and Carey Price. 
are you talking about? What what just, what, what just happened here? And I don't blame. And Lenny Berry. Lenny Berry. Lenny go Len. Actually, <laughs> actually, Brian Lawton had the choice of PK Subban or Ryan McDonough. Okay, for Vinny and Mike Smith. Oh my well, God! They oh my God! You know where, denied that? But you, you Orn Coolis, Orn Coolis made a big mistake. Paul Lenny and Lawton made a big mistake. If you have that deal on the table, you come up with an excuse that Lenny's line was busy or they couldn't get through <laughs> to him or he was on the phone with uh, who's the goalie and some of the guys he owed money to, a bunch of them there, you know, that invested in the thing. Maybe they should have said he was tied up. Vernon, Sean and, Burke. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, yeah, the, he should have said he was. The, yeah. the deal anyway. doesn't happen unless uh, the owners uh, stamp it. And you got to remember, yeah. none of them were in the NHL. They were all prospects at that point. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. So yeah. PK yeah. would have still been in Belleville in the OHL. Max Pacioretty yeah. would have been in college. And Carey yeah. wouldn't have probably been even starting at that point for the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. We missed a Tampa Bay dynasty by a breath. I am going to I'm going to pull a Brian Lawton. I'm going to make I'm going to make up a bunch of trades that I could have done so that the owner <laughs> wouldn't approve them. No, that's a that's a that's a real story. That was that was uh that was Bob Gainey. Yeah. Back wow. with the Montreal amazing, Canadiens. Amazing. Amazing. Um, well, that's good. I mean, they should have done it, but anyway, Bad. Uh, one more for you, because at the beginning of the week, we had a really good discussion on Matthews and, and Marner and uh, whether or not Marner gets the credit that he deserves in Toronto. Uh, what, what are your thoughts in terms of what Marner means compared to, say, Matthews? Well, look, uh, I watched him make the big play last night on a goal. You know, I, I watch him dish the puck. I mean, he, he's, he's in my opinion, in he's shown it without a doubt in the regular season. He, he makes people around him better players. And I remember when I was coaching, it was always guys that if you put them on a line, a, a certain individual on your team on a line, they became the best line on the team. They, some guys bring that with them. And to me, Marner's a guy that makes everybody better. He'll pay a price defensively. The, the knock on him is last year's playoffs, which is going to stay with him until he gets through that. And you know what? He'll get through it, and he'll get through it with flying colors, in my opinion, because I think he's that good and that talented. And to me, he's one of the one of the great playmakers in the game right now. He's a vision guy. He's not afraid. He's not a big guy, but he's not afraid, and he's got big-time talent. I I have a hard time... I, have, I know he struggled at playoff time, but you know what? There's a lot of guys. I was with Stevie Y, the greatest Red Wing, one of the greatest Red Wings, one of the greatest captains of all time. And I went through a couple of playoff series with Stevie Y where he couldn't score to save his life and was so upset and frustrated and fans were on him. This guy will come through with flying colors eventually, in my opinion. You come I through like for us. With flying colors, even when you're distracted on the beach. The beach. The girls that found my iPod said, where are you going? I said, I got to go and do a, I told them a TV show. I didn't say radio. <laughs> and yeah. for, the, for the record. Oh, you're, yeah. 
anyway. She said, "Here, here is your hearing piece." She didn't call it. An, your, she didn't call it an ear pod. Your hearing aid, and she said, "What? Kind, what? What? What?" She said, "What kind of those? What kind? What kind of hearing aids do you have?" I said, "Ten to three. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought she said, "What time is it?" She said, "What kind of hearing aids are they?" Anyway, have fun, guys. Go, go, Thanks, get Doug. out of here, Doug McLean. Former NHL president, head coach, and uh, our chief uh, beach correspondent. <laughs> wow, that was some session with old Doug. That was wonderful. <laughs> How much would that have changed the course of uh, recent history out of Montreal yeah. and Tampa Bay, that trade? It would have been fascinating. That's some group of individuals you just named there. Pacioretty, yeah. Subban, and uh, what was the other one? Price. Price. Oh, him. But I don't remember that at the time. Like yeah. I, I remember that. This is the sort of thing that maybe Tampa doesn't win the cups they've won if you do it, you know? Like maybe they um, never get Vasilevsky because they finish different in draft order. Maybe they never, you know, maybe it doesn't shake out. Well, the goalie one Subban, is interesting Pacioretty. because he's just their goalie. Like Price is Price playing is, for them Tampa as a po- it, and they it, may not draft Vasilevsky. It's interesting. It, it would have been a disaster for Vinny, I think, too. In Montreal yes. at the tail end of his career. Well, yeah. Vinny's a nice guy. He really is. The thing about Vinny is Vinny could have been great. Could have been a Hall of Famer. Is he not? I don't think he's in the Hall of Fame. I don't know. We know Marty St. Louis is. Right. The knock on Vinny in Tampa Bay was that he was, he, he just relied on his talent. That he just, he didn't work very hard off the ice. Hmm. And while you got the Marty St. Louis. And the Charas and the Yagers who would go find a gym at midnight and work out. Vinny wanted nothing to do with that. And Marty St. Louis tried really hard to get him to uh, work hard in the gym, get stronger, prolong your career. That Vinny was not that guy. You know, oh, sorry, I was just going to say, wasn't, didn't they call him the Michael Jordan of hockey when he was coming in? The owner at yeah. the time did. No pressure. You know, the, yeah, but you know, Davidson, what, what makes, I think the owner was Davidson. What makes the greats, the all time elite greats. You look at Michael Jordan and you look at Sidney Crosby and I think Larry Bird and some of these guys, they're obsessives. They're weird. They are weirdly obsessed with the game they cover or that they play. And since birth, like they cannot turn it off. Not everyone is born with both the talent yeah. and the size and the drive. LeBron, yeah. plenty of people born with his size, plenty of people born with talent to shoot the way he does or whatever. You have to truly, like, this is it for you. You're obsessed. And not, not everyone has it. No. I'm a level with you. Was not a hockey obsessive myself. Liked it. Loved playing hockey, actually. Like books. Books are good. I like to read books. I like to do other things, too. Yeah. And I played with guys who cared more than I did, who weren't as talented as I was, who just went farther. That's a reality. You see, I mean, Anthony Stewart's a guy. He'll tell you he wish he could have his career back. You know, commit more to different things. That's just, that's life. And then you talk to people, it's like everyone who makes it to the NHL works, you know. Listen, bad news. Some people are freaks talent-wise. Some people are just God-given talented. And no, not everyone is, you yeah. know, y'all got to try. So, not saying there are guys, you know, everyone tries. So is... Kent Hughes now, who represented Vinny LeCavalier, who was the agent, bringing him in because 
he's a popular guy. He can, you know, is he coming in to really work and help or is he coming in as a, just a, a prop? I don't know. Cause I think you also mature and recognize that, you know, Stewie would not have said the things he says about his career at the time, but now he recognizes what he should have done. And I feel the same way. And maybe Vinny's the same way too, where he can look at someone and go, hey, I see how good you are and how good you can be. And I'm someone who can help you get there because I know what I, I wish I had done differently. Maybe that's it. And he was at, uh, he had probably two or three really, really good, like 90, 100 point, maybe 45, 50 goal seasons. Yeah. yeah. And we remember him fighting uh, Jerome McGinley in the Stanley Cup final. Right. That was memorable and something that Tampa Bay Lightning fans still remember. In Vinny LeCavalier in 2006, 2007, had 52 goals and 56 assists for 180. Yeah. What's his and career then signed, point total? Signed, signed the $100 million contract, I think, at the time. And that was the big issue, was that he was making too much money for Tampa Bay. They had to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. He, I wish I could do that to some organization. <laughs> he, played, he played just over 1,200 games, finished with 949 points. 949 Not points. terrible, boys. Not terrible. Could have been a lot better. Though. Only You're won right. a 100-point season, though. Mm-hmm. Genuinely surprised by looking at his elite prospects. All much. right. Someone who produced a little bit more than Vinny LeCavalier, Brett Hall. After the break, Hall of Famer. You're listening to Real Kipper and Bourne on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Doug McLean's a hoot. Once he gets going, just sit back. I'm in fear the entire time he's in our airwaves. Every time. While we wait on Brett Hall, I, I hope he... Uh... Or Justin, whatever your name is, I got to apologize. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's just one element of it. <laughs> that's the least of your our, our worries, <laughs> yeah. that he I'm calls a... you Jason instead of Justin. I'm fine. You can call me Ted, whatever. Just don't implicate me in whatever comes out of his mouth. All right. We, we sit on... Uh, I'm waiting for Brett Hall to join us. I, I don't know. Maybe he's gone back to Hawaii to golf. I know I would. These guys were getting on. They got better things to do. I don't know. <laughs> you know I'm floored that he would even say yes. Truly. And Kipper's got Wasn't. some sway. Kipper, Kipper must have had a couple late nights with the boys. He knows a couple of things. They don't want to. His, his intentions are, are there. <laughs> <laughs> with Hull? Yeah. Yes, with Brett. Well, that's much appreciated. I, I want to ask him about being the grandfather of the one-timer, like oh, the OV predecessor. Like truly the guy who you're like, God, I would have liked to give him a one-piece stick. Just let him play with an 85 flex. I, See I, what happens. I remember being, like, when you're a kid, I mean, I'm younger than you guys, but being a kid when we play street hockey, doing the the one-timer down to a knee. Yeah. Hall. Like, you'd, you'd come home, your mom would be so pissed because you got dirty knees on your pants. You're taking what you and one-timers. I'm doing try and one, hall one-timers, <laughs> going down to the knee. I love that. That's just, that's such a, you know, you think of guys with, like, the quintessential skill set, things like that. SCA's off-wing snapper. Yeah. yeah. Uh, even, uh, even Wendell Clark with that sort of snapper, the head-high snapper that he always did. Yeah. And, you're and, looking at me. And, and especially when you know, and everybody knows it's coming. 
Yeah. It's like that's the beauty of of, well, Ovi, of what right? Brett Hall and Ovi like. You're standing still. The stick's up. It's cocked. And it dare they dare you? They're like, yeah, you know what's coming. Just stop it. I'm gonna shoot it up 100 miles an hour and in the corner. And if you can catch it, you can catch it. But you're probably not gonna, or at least challenge people enough that it goes well. How many guys we still have outside of Ovi like that in the league? I'm watching uh, Stammer. Um, yeah, Stammer. And I'm watching uh, Patrick Liney in Columbus, uh, kind of lost. Well, what is going on with that guy in his career? Hattrick, Hattrick last night. Oh, he's on on fire. He's on fire. But I wrote an article going into his sophomore year, and I was like, this guy's going to win the Rocket. I remember writing it vividly because I he scored like five times in preseason. I was like, this guy scored a billion, you know, 30 times as a rookie. What's going on here that this guy is in Columbus, you know, maybe in trade rumors again? Those guys, is it what we talked about before the break? And you know, hopefully, does he, is he, does he care? We get we get Brett Hall here, and maybe he can answer it. But w- when you're in that level of goal scoring, mm-hmm. Hall, Stammer, uh, Ovi, you need guys just to get you the puck. And if they're, you're they're on not, bad teams, you can't get it. They're not guys that that can go get the puck and then put it in. And they still can do that. I'm not saying they can't do that. But those those pure shooters mm-hmm. have to be the last guy on the team to touch the puck before hopefully a, a face-off at center ice. Yeah. The well, most goals in the NHL since January 30th, Patrick Line, number one, with 10. Line scored 44 times in his sophomore season, 44 times in 82 games. Next year he plays 82 again, scores 30. Okay. The next year, he's 28 goals in 70 games, which similar similar pace. And then he's last year he scores 10 times in 45 games. So, you know, a little confusing. Uh, but what's going on there? Because we know he's a guy who can purely do it. What a shooter! Um, and good news. I think we have the opportunity to talk with another shooter here, Kipper. Uh, seems we seems like we got a phone call into the producer right now. Do we have the legendary Brett Hall with us? Oh, there you go. Try again. Do we have the legendary Brett Hall with us, or are, are we interrupting the twelfth hole? No, <laughs> we're all good. How are you? Chilly to play today. <laughs> good. How about you guys? Last time I tried you, you were on your way to Hawaii. How was that? It was good. It was, uh, you know, it's a great event. It's the uh, Ace Hardware um, Shootout, uh, where they take two guys from hockey, football, baseball, basketball, and then entertainment. And we have a little skills challenge and we raise, you know, millions of dollars for uh, the children's miracle network around the country. So it's, it's a great event and a, a great spot. So we had a good time. Well, it sounds like you're doing still uh, a great work. Uh, we really appreciate your time. Just prior to you joining us, Holly, we had a very good uh, conversation about goal scoring uh, even today and just just the guys, and of course, Ovi's uh, at the top of the list here. And just in terms of you guys having this ability to put the puck in the net better than anybody, and in, in, in your case, history. But it's so important to be surrounded by guys that can just find ways to get you the puck. And Patrick Liney had a had a hat trick last night with Columbus, and I put him in that 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 wheelhouse of pure shooters out there, but 
he doesn't have as many guys to get him the puck as say others around the league and just what that what those guys meant to you holly in your career how important they were well uh, you know it's it's paramount um you know i i i was so fortunate uh you know even you know when i broke in the league with calgary and you know kind of was a part-time player my my first uh centerman was dan quinn um and and i think you remember dan dan could pass it as good as anybody he was a he was a playmaking center and uh so i started there and then i I get traded to St. Louis, and uh, I've got Gilmore and Federko, uh, you know, two two of the greatest you know centers to to play the game, Hall of Famers, and and then all of a sudden Adam Oates, well Peter Zezel, uh, who was probably the most underrated of all the great players I got to play with, he was uh, uh, so fantastic along the boards with his soccer background and being able to move the puck with his feet, and then. Uh, get it to me when I was open, and then obviously Oates, and and then Datsuk, and then Madonna. I mean, can I get any luckier with the guys I got to play with? So it, it is uh, paramount uh, to have people that can give you the puck. But you know, there was times, uh, you know, when Adam Oates got traded to Boston. You know, I played with Ron Wilson, Ron Sutter, and Rick Mahar. Uh, you know, but I, so I still had to find a way you know, to be able to score goals without that, you know, quote-unquote elite playmaking centerman. Um, so th- there's also an element to scoring goals where you have to just will yourself to score goals and find another way. Uh, because even when you're playing with great players, you know, there's a lot of great defensive centermen out there. There's a lot of great defensemen. Like when we would go into Chicago and we had to play against Chris Chelios, I mean, it was not easy to score goals no matter who you were playing with. One of the things we were talking about before uh, you joined us was how, you know, your shot was so deadly and people knew it was coming, yet goaltenders couldn't stop it. And it reminds us of Alex Ovechkin today and how there's no, you know, not a ton of deception to what Ovechkin does. He's just going to shoot it really hard into that top corner. Tell us a little bit about the, the philosophy of just challenging goaltenders and being better than them. Well, my my philosophy uh, started in practice. Uh, I learned uh, early in my career that, in, you know, I would watch guys that, you know, they obviously weren't the greatest of goal scorers, but, you know, they would go down and they, you know, they thought it was the greatest thing in the world to score in practice. Well, I didn't ever care if I scored in practice. What I did was I practiced shooting to score in a game, no matter where I was on the ice in practice. And, you know, Cujo, who we all love, uh, he caught on to that really fast. And he would just, you know, depending on where I was, he would just go stand on the wrong side of the net and I'd hit him with the puck. <laughs> but I didn't care because in a game, that split second extra time, I got the puck away quicker than letting the goalie get set up and I hit my spot, then, you know, I had a better chance of scoring because the goalies are so good. If you let them get set and come at you, you know, your, your odds go way down of scoring. So uh, my whole idea was I knew where to shoot from everywhere I was on the ice without having to look so I could get it away faster and have that little bit of an advantage. 
Well, there's no question you did it uh, better than uh, most everyone else in the in the course of history. Holly, uh, when when you watch the goal scores outside of Ovechkin uh, out there, are they are they more creative? Or, I mean, we're watching guys now with lacrosse goals, and I'm not sure how you feel about that. But there there is a, a level of skill that's undeniable. Um, but uh, overall, how do you, how do you see the evolution of goal scoring outside of uh, the obvious with Ovechkin? Yeah, it's uh, it's. Uh, I think they've got to be a little more creative, uh, just because of uh, the style of the game is so much different. It's so it's so face to the glass all the time, and, and which I don't like. I like you know I like the the wide open. Let's make some plays and give and goes and and but that you know the the kick it around the boards and and cycle it and cycle it and back to the point and. Uh, you know, I, I don't know, but they've gotten more creative with it and, you know, whatever way works, right. You have, you know, if you're going to score a goal, you have to find out how to do it. And uh, if it's beating the, the defensive uh, schemes in, in one way or another, find a way to do it. But uh, I think, I think the majority of the NHL players now shoot it so much better than the majority of players did when we played, um, you know, even like your bad players, quote unquote, I guess, uh, shoot it really good. Where you know we had, you know, ten guys on a team that could barely <laughs> raise it. Dump in. You know, that's. I think that's technology, right? Yeah, yeah but they couldn't dump it in like us. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> but that you know, I think it's. Uh, you know, you've got so many, and the 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 lacrosse style goals. You know, when I first saw it. I swear to God, I thought that they outlawed that like in Gretzky's first year because I think he tried to flip it over the net to someone and they said, that's illegal. You can't do that. And so I thought those kind of goals, I thought that was illegal to do. Like you couldn't carry the puck. Like, like you couldn't, like you can't take it at your blue line, put it on your stick and carry it like a lacrosse puck. Right. I think that's illegal. But you can do it around the net. I, I honestly, I don't know. It's obviously legal because they're allowing it. But uh, as skilled it as is, and you know the YouTube babies that they are, and the way they work on their puck handling is crazy. Uh, it's so skilled, it's crazy. Uh, but I, I don't like it myself. I think it's very creative, and it's, it's, you know, maybe it's good for the game. I don't, I don't like it myself. Yeah, I mean, Kipper doesn't either. Kipper. Let me tell you, Kipper, if someone did that in Maple Leaf Garden when we were playing, he wouldn't make it through the game. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Am I, am, I, yes. am I correct? Not with Chaser and that? Twister and... <laughs> well, even like you and Wendell. Wendell. Wendell wouldn't go for that. Well, if there, there's just a level of hot-dogging. Right? In, in our era, we could separate the hot-doggers from the guys that uh, just Try to right because that's why there the old fashioned way. I don't think there was very many. You know, know, that's I, why I rarely raised my arms when I scored. You know, the last thing I want to do is is piss off Brad Marsh or you know or Chris Chelios or or someone. You know, because I didn't even want him to know I was playing. <laughs> you know, and that was the biggest compliment to me. Is 
is when a coach would go, you know, I never saw Brett Hull all night, but he got two goals and two assists. And I'm like, yep, success. <laughs> you know, that, that's, you know, like I always was, was, I knew Mike Foligno had to be a tough guy because like when he would jump after a goal, I, I couldn't imagine how many defensemen just wanted to kill him. <laughs> it is interesting, though, that that has gone away, right? Like, there is the, there is no sense that anyone is offended at the way the guys are scoring within the game now. There's no one – I don't think there's anyone who feels showed up. But yeah. They're like, Zegers got it into the net. Well, like, that, isn't that – No, I no, I think they are, but I think it's a different – I don't think there's those guys that will do anything about it anymore. Just sitting you know, on the there's, bench. There's, a, <laughs> like, oh. there's some tough guys in the league, obviously, like you know Ryan Reeves, and but I, there, I don't think there, I, there's not very many tough guys in the league anymore that I would consider right. tough guys. And you know, Kipper, I mean, you you can you tell me if I'm wrong, but I watch and I'm like, this, this is this is easy out there. I'm like, there's no slashing, wow. there's no cross checking. I mean, Hi. I mean, I, it's just like a breeze. I don't need to give anybody another example of me being a dinosaur on this show. <laughs> Hold on, I want to pull. I want to pull it out of both of you right now. It is no, but it is fascinating. Well, we're both dinosaurs. I mean, we, I retired 16 years ago. I mean, I'm 57 years old. No, but it is fascinating because you are, um, you know, a, a similar age to the people who are making the decisions on who to play and who to sign and who to have on their teams, right? The general managers and all the rest. And do you think that that is a common feeling around the league that that maybe a GM would look at a guy like Zegers and go, I don't want a guy like that who's, too, you know, it's too about himself. It's not just keeping it simple. Do you think that plays into the decision making? Zegers well, is a good know. player, I, though. I haven't, yeah, I can play. Yeah, I haven't seen him enough to not say or to say anything about his all-around game. I right. just, you know, catch the highlights, and that's obviously a yeah. huge one, right? So uh, yeah. I'm not going to – I'm. Uh, you know, if Kipper says he's a good player, I trust him. So, uh, you know, people ask me still all the time, would you ever want to coach? And I'm like, absolutely not. You know, because all the good players would, would be dead halfway through the season and the, and the, the bad players, <laughs> they wouldn't play. And so it's, I could never do Listen, that. So he never put a third uh, liner a big, on the I'm ice. A big fan. Yeah. I'm a big fan of skilled players. Uh, let me tell you, but those the, uh, I'm, I'm not a I'm not a big showboater guy, right? Well, and but it it is it's having an effect on the kids, and you know since that Zegris goal, like every once in a while, I'll go through Instagram and I'll see kids doing it now a lot more. And I was watching this one, and it was filmed in a minor hockey rink, and a kid did it, and after he did it, he just did the the windmill down the center of the ice, you know, uh, celebration in, in a huge celebration. I don't know if anybody else noticed, but the score was six-one, uh, and I don't know if he got the sixth goal way. or the or the one goal. But either way, right. you know the, the whole thing yeah. of of a six-one goal yeah. or one uh, w the the first goal of the game for that for their team shouldn't follow up with a huge celebration down. But it's the individualism that it it it, it doesn't bode well for a team sport in, in that in that uh, yeah. frame. That's all. It's like football when you're losing 35 to three and you sack a quarterback and you do 
you do the crazy celebration, it's like, okay, you're only down 32. Like, you know, just go back, just go back to the huddle, you know. Holly. But the other, the other thing you brought up was about GMs and that and, and players. And it's like, I'm getting really confused with the Montreal Canadiens when they, I, I can't figure out why they're firing guys anymore. You know, it started with Guy Carbono, you know, who took them to the conference finals and, and Kirk Muller, right? And they fired them, you know, when they're having success. And, I mean, are they running? They're going to run out of French guys pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, right? I mean, it's, I mean, it, I don't get it. It's, you know, the, the way they're firing guys, you know, when they're having success is, you know, like when they let me go as GM in, in Dallas, I mean, we had just gone, we were two games away from going to the Stanley Cup Finals, and, and then, then all of a sudden it wasn't good enough, and I'm like, okay. So, I don't know, it's, it's, a, it's weird, uh, the reasons and, and who they hire and who they fire is, is crazy to me. Do you, do you think Marty, uh, Marty St. Louis still has a, a chance to have an impact there, even though zero experience? Uh, yeah, I, I do. I, I, don't, I don't think, you know, and I, you know this uh, following me or whatever throughout the years, that, you know, coaching is, is not rocket science because most of them are, you know, don't have enough brain power to <laughs> start up. You know, I mean, it's pretty simple, right? You, you have offense and you have defense. Put a game plan together to, to get the most out of your players, right? But you know, if you don't have good players, it, you know, did Scotty Bowman ever win in Buffalo? Not so much. No, I don't. I but don't he won. In, but <laughs> yeah. he, what he won, he won, he won in in Montreal and Pittsburgh and Detroit. And look at the players he yes. had in those three teams. And look at who he had in Buffalo. Holly, you know, I, it doesn't matter who the coach is. If you have bad players, you have a bad team. We've got, uh, I got Craig Berube coming up or else we'd continue this conversation. But Jeez, listen, we got to have you back. You, 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 you are now uh, a regular. There's a, there's a guy. That's a, that's a coach right there. There you go. We'll say hi to him you for know, you. They asked, yeah, they asked Tarasenko, I think the year they won the cup, they said, uh, you know, what is it about the coach? And he goes, it's chief. And that's all he said. <laughs> it's chief. That's all you get. You know, you know, you know. He's got the respect of his players. Then, so awesome. Anyway, thank you guys. No, 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 no. Thank you, Brett Hall. You got it. <laughs> Anytime. Let's uh, do this more often. Uh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Enjoy the game tomorrow night, St. Louis and Toronto. Thank Brett you. Hall. Everybody. I'm looking forward to the outdoor game here in Nashville. Oh yeah, that's gonna be awesome too. Yeah. Terrific. Thanks. So let's talk before then. We will. Thanks, Holly. All right. So Thanks, man. Guys. Appreciate it. I think we got a new regular on our show. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we, we, we got an hour segment way, just waiting in the books. And now? And now we go to the chief. Chief himself. Greg Berube, head coach of St. Louis. We just got off the, whole, uh, uh, the, the horn with uh, Holly. Says a big hello. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen Holly much. Uh, yeah, he's not around St. Louis too much anymore. It's too bad. He's, uh, he's always a lot of fun to be around, for sure. Well, Thanks for having me on the show, guys. No, Appreciate th it. Thank you. Um, let's get right into it. Uh, you know, we, we look at your team. Uh, it wasn't too long ago, uh, Stanley Cup success. We consider, at least I do, uh, a team that can challenge for a Stanley Cup. 
but uh, a little bit of a hiccup uh, along the way here. Where, where do you see your team right now? Um, like, not like, you know, we've played some real good hockey this year for sure. I think since the break, you know, it's been up and down a little bit. Not consistent enough for sure. You know, we come out of the gate, we lose to Jersey at home. Uh, that was a tough one. You know, we're kind of in and out a little bit right now. <clears throat> um, consistency a little bit's got to be better um, and in all facets of the game. And I think that's what's missing right now. Yeah, we have the ability to score goals, but you get into games like last night where, you know, you, you just don't, you're not on your A game. Um, maybe on, on the offensive side of things, but we got the game there. It's 2-1, and we, we end up giving a late goal uh, with eight seconds to go. So, you know, that game's got to be closed out, and that's a win. That's a big win. We got a point, but um, that's where I see our team right now. You know, as you guys head towards the, the trade deadline, I mean, I guess you don't go into it ever thinking about having different players. Is there somewhere on your team that you feel like, you know, may change down the road, or right now is it just coach the guys you got? I just coach the guys I got. Yeah, there's conversations with Doug and, the, and obviously the pro scouts and things like that. We're always trying to improve our team. Um, I don't think that's in question at all. But, mm-hmm. you know, trades aren't that easy to make. You know, we all know the salary cap. And, 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 you know, at the deadline, a lot of these teams are asking for an awful lot for a player. And, um, you know, that player might be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. You know, you end up losing them for nothing. So... It depends on a lot of different things. But, you know, I think there's always room for improvement on your team um, going down a stretch and, and trying to make a playoff push. Speaking of Craig Berube, head coach of the St. Louis Blues in town for the Toronto Maple Leafs on Saturday night. We know what goaltending means in this league. Jordan Bennington has been a guy that uh, helped you win a Stanley Cup, no questions asked. But uh, the last, what, eight, ten games, it's been a struggle for him. Billy Huso's come in and, and been remarkable, uh, to say the least. Uh, I mean, is it one of those things where you just uh, continue to watch Jordan Bennington in a, in, a, in a practice situation or slowly dig himself out, or do you just run with a hot hand right now with uh, Huso? A little of, a little of both. Um, I think that you got to – Benner needs to uh, work on his game for sure, and that's what he's been doing. And I think, you know, Bill, like you said, Billy's playing some real good hockey right now. And uh, I don't see there's no reason just to – right now the schedule is uh, in our favor to keep playing them. Um, you know, we're not stacked up here. But, like, going into March and April, there's a ton of hockey. So we're going to need both goalies down the stretch. And uh, I have full belief in Benner will have a game in order and ready to go by then. Greg, before we turn the page from your team to you know, some thoughts on the Leafs, we we just had Brett Hall on, as Kipper mentioned, and, and he, we were talking about uh, lacrosse-style goals and people picking up the puck, and I, I really wanted to get your take on it because you're you know similar generation to these guys, and they were both saying that you know when they played, they feel like you wouldn't have got through the game if you tried that. You know, someone would have eaten a, a fist to the face or some. Do you do you feel like first off that that's true? There would have been you would have taken offense to someone doing that when you played, and and has your I guess your opinion on that sort of thing changed um i could have i you know i really can't comment on that back when i played you know yeah. i i don't i don't really think i would have too much of an issue with that. i would go well, i would just probably go on, that's a really high-end play yeah. i mean and that's what you get with these guys nowadays i mean they're they're pretty high, they're really high-end guys and i have no problem with 
that kind of stuff going on. If they're, if they're, uh, you know, if they can do it, they can do it. It's uh, the, the 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 job of the other team to stop them from doing it. You know, I mean, it's just that's that's part of the game, and it's it's really it's a high end goal. Uh, just your thoughts on Tarasenko, because it's almost been this like hot cold scenario the last few years with him. Of course, the injuries and the shoulder has been a. A, a, a huge issue with him, but overall, I mean, I look at the top of the scoring list and, and there he is for you. Yeah, he's been great this year. I think, you know, there was a lot of noise in the summertime and I take it with a grain of salt because I'm not sure if it's all accurate or, you know, we don't know exactly, you know, what people say and things that are going on. I talked to Vladdy, he come into camp. I said, listen, you, you know, just work and be a good player for us and let things play out. I go, I'm going to put you in situations to be successful. And so far, so good. There hasn't been an issue. He's worked extremely hard. I mean, I think, you know, looking at the, his play, he's played uh, good defense, working hard without the puck, and obviously producing. He's been a real good teammate. Um, I know we added Bushnevich to the team. I think that's been a big plus for him, too. They're, they're real tight and close, uh, and they've been real good line mates together. So, I think that's helped too, but uh, overall, uh, Vladdy's leadership's been in, uh, been great this year, and um, I don't see a disgruntled player at all. That's great. You know, what, one of the things you do as a coach uh, leading up to games, I guess, is take a look at your upcoming opponent. You guys must be going through the Toronto Maple Leafs a little bit right now. Um, you know, every team has something unique or different about them. Is, is there anything with the Toronto Maple Leafs when you're preparing them, uh, your team, that you say, okay, here's something that they do that we need to specially look out for? Or do you just circle Matthews and Marner just and just say, shoot. shut them yeah. down? <laughs> They're a great offensive team. Um, they, they do some things really well with the puck, for sure. Puck possession and the playmaking ability uh, in, the, in the offensive zone, too, especially finding that depth-free shooter. And, uh, but, I, and that's, you know, that's what you got to – you got to make sure you do a good job there. But, you know, they got, they got some top-end players that are really good. I mean, really good. Hard to handle. Uh, you need all five guys in the ice to be aware and to help do the job against those guys. And then their power plays is on uh, a real good roll right now. So we're probably best not to go to the penalty box. We did that last night five times and uh, we killed them. But uh, you go to the box five times against the Leafs, you could be in trouble. I often uh, look at Colton Pareko and I, I think when he's healthy and when he's on, uh, Craig, he's one of the best shutdown guys uh, I mean, the challenge for Colton tomorrow will be the two guys that we just mentioned, but where where is he overall uh, for you and your hockey club? Well, I think he's been good. I mean, obviously coming off that injury last year was, you know, it was a tough year for him with, uh, with the injury and things like that. Uh, this year I find he's been a pretty good player for us. Uh, we haven't really solidified probably a partner for him yet. I mean, we've used different guys there. We've got uh, Mikola there right now with them, and Scandell has played with them, and, and numerous guys. Um, but his play, like in terms of himself, he's done a pretty good job for us overall. He does go against the top lines and every night on the other team. Logs 25-plus minutes a night, penalty kill. Um, he's playing some hard minutes. Uh, big guy, he can handle it, and uh, 
you know, what, he's a great skater and uh, can skate the puck out of your zone and trans, transfer it to the offensive zone with the skating ability. Um, solid player. He's played well. Well, Craig, we really appreciate you uh, making time for us today and uh, all the best uh, to you and your hockey club, not just uh, tomorrow night, but the rest of the season. Thanks for doing this. Hey, thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Thank you. Head coach, St. Louis Blues, Craig Berube. Had had some time with Craig in the Philadelphia Flyer organization, teammates a little bit in uh, Hershey. God, tough tough teams you were playing on. Oh, my god. They're trying to crack. No wonder you ended up in the wild tough too. You yeah, had, you, just by you just like, I had better do this or, you know, they're going to laugh me out of here yeah. or something. I like the St. Louis Blues. I, I do. Uh, I'm watching them a little bit against Montreal. I think they've got a little bit of a, a hiccup where they play down to their opponent a little bit. The Blues do. Yes. Yeah. And I think we saw it last night. But they, they should go in tomorrow night petrified of – of Marners and, and Matthews and Bunting now and the rest of them buzzing around like crazy, ready to put in five or six goals. I think it's an un, under-discussed topic when you talk about top, top guys. And I mean like the top 10 forwards in the league and the top whatever D, about how much the opposition game plans to stop them. You know, you go put up decent num- numbers on the second or third pair, great. Way to, or second, third line, great. Way to go. That's good. It's really good. But when you do it and the other team spends all their time worrying about you, the value of that, like people are like, is it McDavid or Dreisaitl for the heart? Like it's McDavid all the time when you're deciding between the two of them because everyone plans for McDavid. Yes, Dreisaitl too, but they match McDavid's line. They think about McDavid. Here they think about Matthews and Marner. Those guys have to go through so much more than your average player to get the points they get because teams focus on them. All five guys give them shots, slow them down. They're playing a different level of defense from everyone else. Horses. <laughs> they are. Right? Horses. I remember uh, when I was with the Washington Capitals, we went in and played Brett Hall, and this was when Brett was on his run for like 70, 86 goals. He shot seasons. it in the net so much. And uh, Brian Murray had this game plan on how to shut him down and we spent like 20 minutes talking about it and how uh, whatever left winger was out there was against him you know where you wanted to be to follow him and I think after 20 he had two goals and an assist and uh I remember Brett uh, Brian Murray coming in and it was all written on the board and he just had a field day trying to erase it all yeah <laughs> to, to talk <laughs> to talk about the second period and it was like uh, do you that plan almost, did not work. No, it did not work. Oh. Did not work. And uh, to your point, like how much time do you spend defending and then possibly taking too much out of your game? Well, you take it away from your attention from everywhere else because you're like, all right, everyone, give these guys a shot. That the whole interview was popular, boys. Got some, got some texts. Oh, saying, Holly was. Yeah. He was uh, on one day, boys. I felt horrible. I, Whatever. To Ruby was off. good too. Oh, yeah, nice yeah, yeah, Craig, yeah. Craig's great. So, uh, and I, it's great to have both of them on. But uh, Holly had a lot to say. So I'm just looking at Hall's hockey DB, which is splendid, staggering. From so he started, yeah, the, from uh, 89-90 started 72, 86, 70, 54, 57. The stretch of years. And then uh, Penticton, he played in the BCH. Oh, you know I know, I know. 100? 100, 100, 100, 105 and 57. Were they, were they the v- goals? 
Yes, 105 goals in 57 games. Were they the games. Vs then? The protecting the, Vs or no, the, the Panthers? Knights. Oh, wow. Yeah. I played against Brett Hall in the American Hockey League. He played in the American Hockey League? I mean, listen, yeah, no offense. I, Calgary. I don't know. He did. Moncton. Yeah, he scored 50. What, what are they, what's he doing down there? He's got 40 and they're like, <laughs> yeah. should we bring him Get up gone. or no? There was, <laughs> he scored there, 50 listen, in the NHL. Is that even allowed? There, there was no buzz about Brett Hall really? being this up-and-coming, great, must-see goal scorer in hockey. There was nothing. People thought he was lazy, and he wouldn't. He wouldn't make. In the, uh, he wouldn't make the NHL. He couldn't score at the NHL. When was he drafted? Sixth round, one hundred and seventeenth yes. overall. <laughs> yeah. What? Whoops. He, he 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 was not getting the Eric Lindros. I want to know who Pat picked one hundred and sixteenth and any other top prospect attention. That is unbelievable. I can actually find out who picked 116th. Um, no, that, that, I'm surprised to hear that. But I like what he said about I wanted to just like them to not know I was playing and just shoot it in the net a couple of times because I agree that sounds amazing. Coaches don't really want that. They'd ideally like your presence to be felt when you're not shooting it in the net. Yeah. But when you shoot it in the net, oh, the, how many times is it in his career? The difficult uh, 141. Okay. The difficult That's part it. for coaches is when – they get no when they when they find one or two individuals that go against the grain. They're so used to painting one brush mm-hmm. that when, when Holly you know went off his the path the coach's path and went on his own path. Once you figure it out, you just leave them alone. Yeah, just leave them alone. If it's there, it's there. If it's not, it's not. You just. And and that's it. But it's the ones that wanted to pull them back in or pull out somebody else that is a little different, that doesn't follow quite the team right. plan or the team concept that's or the philosophy. That's super hockey, by the way. That's super it's hockey. It's super hockey. To be like, oh, you're slightly different? Like, so, and, and now we have much more of that. Or, or you know, we have a more understanding mm-hmm. that not every player is equal. And you said it. Some aren't as motivated as others. And not everybody has to be as motivated and think and breathe the game 24-7. You can have a guy with great success that only puts in 12 hours a day yeah. <laughs> thinking about the game, not 24. Right. And if you accept him and deal with it and, and pick your spots when, it's, when, it, when he needs a kick in the ass or a pat in the back, then you do. And there are people. Do you have something, Sammy? Jim Nish, 116 to the Montreal Canadiens from the Verdun Juniors of the QMJ. The Montreal Canadiens just missed Brett Hall by a pick so they could pick Jim Nish. Zero games played in the NHL. Oh. The next pick. Uh, Kirk McLean drafted in the what? sixth round that year, as well as uh, Kajel Samuelson. <laughs> We're going to say Shell on that. I don't yes. know. That. Is, who is it? Shell Samuelson? Yeah. No idea. Sammy. Hey, uh, Another Sammy. <laughs> 813 games. So yeah. a decent sixth round that year, Marmaduke. actually. Marmaduke. Oh, is that what you call them? Yes. He was like 6'7". Is he that big? 6'6". Cliff Ronning goes in the seventh round of that draft as well. uh, Sorry, uh, 1,100 games played. Some diamonds in the rough there, as you are, Sammy. Oh. Keeping the mind in mind, 117th in the sixth round. 117th is a third rounder today. They had, like, way less teams. Great point. Great point by you. Wow. What a tie-in. What a, what a drop in Monte. <laughs> oh, sorry. Is that just us? Oh. Michael Bunting was 117th overall, just like Brett Hall. Derek, we have 217th gotta, overall. You got to talk more than Sammy next show. Yeah, put you're, that on the air. Yeah, I'm terrible. What a great Friday. No? 
Great, great Friday. Great show. Our thanks to Craig Berube, Brett Hall, Doug McLean. Enjoy the weekend, everybody. Stay safe. We're back Monday. <laughs>